oftentimes when we think about relationships and the word relationship, as soon as we mention that word, we think about a relationship. If I say, you know, your spouse or I say your child or your boss, you've got a name and a face that goes along with it. And so oftentimes in the context of relationships, we subconsciously are always thinking about someone else. We're thinking about our relationship to them. They've, you know, if I think about my marriage, I'm thinking about Beth. I'm thinking about the connection that I have to another person. Um, if I think about, you know, um, my kids, I'm thinking about Reese and Lincoln and Maddox and Finn. I, I think of names and faces that go um, with that. Uh, and this morning, we often do, do the same thing um, in, in any relationship. And because we're talking about relationships, it's sometimes difficult to not think about the other person. But I want to challenge you this morning to really take this morning to just simply to think about you separate from those relationships. Not thinking about the relationship as a whole. Not thinking about your marriage as, you know, the, the two of us. But thinking just about simply about you being in a marriage and, and just looking at, rather than looking at the situation and what's going on between you and, and them, just to simply take a, just a, a look just at you. I know it's a little difficult. Um, I watched a show uh, called Alone. Uh, it's where they take, it's on the History Channel. If you've seen it, it's, it's epic. They take 10 survival pros and they just drop them in northern BC and said, all right, survive. Here's a video camera. Videotape yourself, and there's cougars and uh, wolves and bears, and it's like crazy. And they're just like, you tap out whenever you want. The first little wussy tapped out after t- before 24 hours was up. He couldn't even make it through. But these guys, as they're out there, they're out there for like 24 days or something now, and they're videotaping themselves, and they've just been by themselves, not 10 together, like 10 guys in separate locations, no, no contact with anyone other than a camera. And as they begin to talk to this camera, they, you know, at the beginning, they're talking about survival, and they're thinking about, you know, their families and spots, and then later on, they start getting to the spot where they're like, you know, you spend enough time by yourself, you just are forced to think about you, and they said, you know, if you're hanging out here all by yourself for this long, you better like yourself, because you got no other company, and as they think about it, it's like, you know, you have this, these thoughts where you begin just to think about, about who I really am as a person, when everything else is stripped away, every other relationship, every gadget, every comfort, it's all gone. Who am I really? And I know it's pretty difficult to do that in a building where you got all the comforts and where you got all the stuff and, you know, you're not wondering about your meal. But I want to encourage you this morning to ask and think about that question. Who am I um, really? So not thinking about this morning of this is how I'm going to get a better marriage because my wife, come on, honey, listen. You know, or, you know, you're like, you're, you're, you're thinking, man, I wish my kids, you know, were upstairs for this because they need to hear this. Or maybe you're one of the teenagers like, oh, I know my parents. I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, I wish my kid was listening. You know, I wish they would just think about, yes, I see them. They're even nudging each other right now. Uh, I want you just to think about you. Just think about you. Because uh, as we learned in lesson one in this series that every relationship is only as healthy as the least healthy person in it. It's every relationship's only as healthy as the least healthy person in it. It's like two pieces of paper being glued together. You rip them apart, you're going to find out which one was stronger. You take a chain, you pull, you're going to find out if with enough pressure and enough power, you're going to find the weakest link. And this morning, I want to encourage you not to, to, to think about being the weakest link, but to think about how can you become the strongest link in, in all of your relationships. Um, you know that game Red Rover as a kid? You know, as Red Rover, it's like that lineup of kids, Red Rover, so call someone over, and that, whoever runs, I mean, all you're looking for is like, where's the scrawniest kid with like the toothpick arms? I'm going through that gap. I've seen arms break in that game literally at kids camp because, you know, the, the, these enemies, are, they're smart. They find the weakest spot. Well, you have an enemy too, and he'll be looking for the weakest spot, and sometimes it's us. 
And he's going to attack, and things are going to attack our lives, and sometimes it's us. So this morning, my question for you is, how are your legs? How are your legs? And I think, oh, that's kind of an odd question to ask this morning. It'll hopefully make more sense at the end. But as I was thinking about this and thinking about the topic of, you know, how are your legs, I was reminded of a story I heard eons ago, and maybe you've heard it before. This, this farmer was out hanging out outside, and a salesman came up to his barn, and as the two of them are talking, this little pig runs out of the barn, just squealing with glee, and rubs up and rubs up against the farmer's leg, and just looking at him lovingly, and the salesman looks down at him real and sees that he's got, you know, one wooden leg. And so he looks at the pig, he's like, what? He's like, why has that pig got one wooden leg, and the farmer just gets all defensive. He's like, don't be talking about my pig. He's like, you don't understand. This pig is amazing. Just, you know, two weeks ago, our farmhouse caught on fire, and this pig right here, he squealed so loud. He woke my wife and I up. We got out. He squealed so loud, they heard the fire at the fire department, and they rushed out knowing something was wrong, and they saved our house just because of this pig right here. He's like, oh, okay. And he says, and that's not all. He says, you know, last week I was driving my tractor and it rolled over and I was pinned underneath my tractor. And this pig, he squealed and squealed and let me, you know, let people know to come rescue me. And actually I fell unconscious and that pig, he gave me mouth to mouth. He kept me alive while I was there. And he's like, this is an amazing pig. And the guy's like, well, yeah, he's a pretty amazing pig. But he's like, why has he got one wooden leg? He's like, he just looks so offended. The farmer looks at him. He's like, listen, how can you not understand? If you had a pig so great as this one, you wouldn't eat him all at the same time either. (laughs) How are your legs? I want you to think about a three-legged pig, and I want you to think about a three-legged stool, and whatever it can to help you remember this. But this idea of of a a three-legged stool in our relationships in our life, that if any one of those legs is missing, shorter, out of whack, it's going to be pretty hard um, to keep, um, keep your balance. And it's the same in our relationships. If any one of the three legs I'm about to tell you about are missing, are not working properly, it's going to make your relationships tough, strained, and difficult. And we've talked about each of these three things before. And if you go online, you can just Google those uh, or search those words. You can find th- um, things on this. And I encourage you to, if you, as we're talking about it, you're like, yeah, that first leg, that's me. I'd encourage you to go and research that a little bit more because I believe that's what he wants to do something in your life with that. So just jumping right in, three legs in our lives that are supporting our relationships and we may not realize it is this. Number one is significance. Significance. There's a deep need in every single one of us to know, to fully know that, uh, that we're significant and that we matter and that we're valued and that we're important. It's in us. There's nothing wrong with that. It's there. But it's this searching, this looking to be um, uh, important. And that, that need, the majority of people on our planet do not feel a deep sense of significance. They don't feel this deep sense of, of the thing that they matter. And oftentimes what, what happens is they, they go on the search and they're looking for it and they try and find it in things. And a couple thoughts about significance is this. Significance can never be achieved, ever. People have been trying to achieve significance ever since day one. In the Garden of Eden, what did the enemy say to Eve? The snake came up and said to Eve, you know what? Eve, if you just eat that apple, you'll be like God. You'll be more important if you would just do this. And that lie has been going on throughout history. You even see it today. You'll be more important. You will feel more important. You will feel significant if you just fill in the blank. Look at the Bible. You see Solomon, King Solomon. You can read his story in 1 Kings and incredible what uh, this, the, the most powerful man of his time, the wealthiest, most influential person. You know, Solomon, he made over $2 billion a year, Canadian. $2 billion a year. You're thinking, man, 
if I made $2 billion a year, huh, I think I'd feel like somebody. You know, I'd be like the richest person at, uh, you know, at Kingsway. And, you know, I'd be a somebody. And yet, most of us will never be rich enough to realize that we can't buy significance. And so you keep trying. If I just make a little bit more, if I could just get a little bit more, and we've talked a lot about that before. Um, Solomon was famous, world famous. See, we're, we're kind of addicted to this little idea of micro-famousness. We all kind of want to be a little bit famous. It's why social media works. Because it's not really that you're, you know, so connected to the people in other countries that you just can't see all the time. It's not about that. It's about I'm posting something to see how many likes I get. You know, and, and I, I want to try and catch up to Kim Kardashian, who's got like 2.4 million likes on one photo. You know, or, or this idea, um, it's her wedding photo. You know, and these ideas of, um, you know, like Gangnam Style being like, you know, millions of hits. And, and uh, Ellen getting retweeted, you know, millions of times. And you're like, you know, I just want to be a little bit more popular than the rest of my friends. You know, on Instagram, I know uh, I hack my wife's every once in a while just to see, and it's all the, the likes. Oh, look how many likes we got. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, but you, I don't know if you know this, but there's actually a company that you can pay them money, and they will give you likes and give you followers and give you friends for a low, low fee. You can feel famous. Why does a company like that exist? Why does it even work? Because there's people who pay for that. They want to feel significant. And something that's in us, it's put in us, but it's not ever um, recognized or achieved in that way. Solomon was the CEO of all the biggest companies of his time. He owned it all. He was the, you know, climb the corporate ladder. He had all the titles. For some, you so badly want to have that word, like, manager behind you. If I could just be the manager at Dollarama, that would be, like, something, right? Or if I, you know, in ministry, it happens all the time. It's why people require others to say, you know, I'm a pastor. You need to refer to me as Pastor Mark. It's just a title. It's just a person, but there's something in it. I remember going through Bible school and people just say, you know, as soon as they graduate, now you got to call me reverend or you got to call me pastor. I'm like, you're still the same guy. I just sat beside for two years. Why? Because there's this feeling of, like, that means something. He had 700 wives and 300 girlfriends, and I have no idea how any of those let that happen. But he had all, all of the, you know, the sexual conquests. He was married to Mrs. Wright like 300 times, right? And yet, Something was still missing, and we have that sometimes. It's like, you know, especially for single people, if I just find the right person, I'm going to be happy. They're going to do it for me. You know what? Solomon, who had all of that. This is not like a whole bunch of lives where we look at, oh, yeah, that person's famous there. That person's rich there. That person has that there. This is all in one guy's life. And he says this at the end of his life, how empty he just felt. Ephesians, or Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 9. He says, so I became greater. I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me. My wisdom never failed me. I achieved it all. Anything I wanted, anything, anything you could dream of, he says, I, I just took it. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work and a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything that I had, what? Worked so hard to accomplish. It was all so, what's that word? Meaningless. Everything I've worked for, why? Because it's that idea of if I can work there. There's a reason that we do it. It's not because we need more. It's something sometimes is tied to that spot of inside. If I can achieve, if I can reach, if somewhere down there I'm going to feel significant. And the problem with that is that you cannot achieve significance. So you'll just keep trying until you realize, like today, that I can't do it. I just cannot achieve significance, so I'm going to stop trying. Significance, you're like, you know, I'll just give up then. The, the truth is that significance can be received by being believed. It's as simple as that. 
It's not this thing of being achieved, but being received by being believed. Because God's design for you is that you know that you're special. Know that you're incredibly loved. Know that there's no one like you. That you would know in the core of your soul that you matter. That there's only one of you. That you're the reason um, that you're the way you are is because he designed you that way. You got gifts. You got talents. You're unique. There's no one like you, and that's on purpose. It's this idea of realizing, wait a second, how does God see me? And when you realize how he sees you, that makes all the difference. Because God does see you that way. I remember my brother-in-law, Jamie, once telling me, um, as he, was, he had picked up one of his daughters, it was years ago, she was way younger. And as he was carrying her, she, looked at, she was looking at him, she's like, Dad. He's like, what? She's like, I can see me in your eyes. And she was looking at the reflection in the eyeball. She's like, I see me in your eyes. And she was like just ecstatic about that. But you know what? He was even more ecstatic about it because he all of a sudden thought, and he said, as he was sharing with me, he's like, you know, what if we all had that idea and that thought about God? That we would like, God, I can see me in your eyes. I can see the way that you see me, that I matter, that, that you love me. You know, the, the truth is, and we talked about love last week, God can't love you any more than he does. You can't impress him to get him to love you any more than he does. He just loves you, and, and it's also impossible for him not to love you. He can't love you any less. Nothing you did, nothing you did wrong or right changes any of it. He just simply loves you. And he proved it that while we were sinners, it says Christ died for us in Romans chapter 5. He says he sees you as his child. As a parent, what would you not do for your own child? God sees you as his child. He sees you as his masterpiece. Look at that person next to you for a minute. Just look at them. Yeah, I know. That is a masterpiece. Masterpiece. You know, there's no mistakes with God. There's no junk with God. That is like Mona Lisa, Statue of David, and them. Like, this is his masterpiece. But do you believe that about yourself? Do you see that? Um, So often people are like, you know, this this idea of searching for worth and searching for value. I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm worth. You know, I was talking with some kids last night. Like, I don't want to work there. They only pay minimum wage. I'm worth more than that. I'm like, yes, you are, but it's not determined by how much you make. You're worth dying for. I'm like, what? I'm like, do you not realize that God gave his son, that Jesus literally, not figuratively, not a story, he died for you. You wonder what you're worth? That's what you're worth in his eyes. And you're like, oh, I, I just, I don't know. I'll tell you this. None of what I just said matters at all if you don't believe it. It doesn't matter. Because until you believe it, you'll never see it. You're just going to see what you, what you think. And you're going to try and keep achieving and earning significance. Even with God, you'll serve and you'll volunteer. And you'll be doing that for that thought and purpose of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to matter more to him. He's going to be happier with me. And if you're unsure of your significance as a person, and you take that into your relationships, you go in empty. And you're going to drive the people around you crazy trying to get something from them to fill that need that you maybe didn't even realize you had. So my challenge this morning for you is, do you know that you're significant? Do you know it? So convinced of it, you don't need anybody else to put that in. You know why? Because they can't. Your spouse, I know she's awesome, but she's not God. Amen to that, right? So she can't do it, but he can. Do you know that you're significant? How's that leg in your life? Second one is being authentic. If, if being significant is being right with God, being authentic or genuine is being right with you. Years ago, there was a soccer company called Umbro. They had this slogan that said, you be you and I'll play soccer. I just love the you be you part. You be you because you're the only you. No one else can be who you are. 
many people, you know, they're not, they're not sure about this whole idea of who I am. And you hear this thought of, I'm going to go and try and find myself. I shared with you, I know somebody close to my family who uh, went to China. And he's going to China. He says, yeah, I'm going to find myself. And, you know, in the first week there, he lost his wallet and got stolen. So he just would bug him, right? You went to China to find yourself and you lost your, identi- you lost your ID, your identity while you're out there. And he's like, you know, he came back from China and asked him, you know, so did you find yourself? No, not really. You know, and we, the, the truth is that no matter where you go, there you are. So trying to find yourself, it, it's, it, it's, not some, it's not a destination. But a lot of people find struggles with this idea of just loving who God made them to be. There's, a, there's this, this, this difficulty. They don't like themselves inside. They don't like themselves outside. They're trying to be someone else. Plastic surgery makes billions of dollars on this thought of people not being too happy with who they are on the outside. But marriages struggle the most with the other side of it because there's millions of couples who are terrified of intimacy, not sex, intimacy. This idea of letting someone else know who you really are. Husbands and wives who can't even, who should have that closeness can't because they're like, what if they knew who I really was? And it's this struggle. They're miserable inside, and maybe it's you, and maybe that leg is kind of, you know, not, not quite right in your life, and maybe it's because of things you heard. Maybe you heard, you know, growing up, you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid, and it's like that, that's kind of got you here now. Maybe it's things that you've experienced. Maybe you were bullied. Maybe, you're, you know, you've been through a failed marriage. Maybe you're from a broken family, and it's just got you here. It's like this thing of, ah, uh, I just don't like who I am. And maybe you feel that way, and you're just not even sure how it happened. But you feel like, you know, there's a, I can't be genuine. I can't be authentic. And it's trying to keep up this, this facade that just drains you, but it's also draining your relationships around you. If you feel like this is something that's difficult for you, I, I would encourage you with a couple thoughts. Number one, to become more authentic and genuine is begin to admit your weaknesses. Oh, I don't have any of those. Healthy people, healthy people can admit that they've got weaknesses. And you know what's interesting when you, you know, in all the places I've been, groups have been a part of, it's when people begin to say, you know what, here's what I have, you know, I, I got this issue. That they begin to say, you know, it feels like a weight has been lifted. You know, you don't want to always be carrying something because it just causes all this stress. You can stress less simply by, by admitting some of these things. The Bible talks about James chapter 5, verse 16, in the Amplified, it says this, Confess to one another, therefore, your faults. Um, it says your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. Confess those to one another, to people. And pray, it says, for one another that you might be healed. Not just healed physically, but healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Healed in its inside. Healed as a, as a person. And it says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. This opportunity for lives to really be changed. Because you know what, that link, that part that you play in all your relationships, if it can be changed, if it can be healed and whole, it'll affect every other relationship. So number one, begin to, to, to admit some of your weaknesses. And the second thing is become aware of your blind spots. Do you realize that every single one of us has blind spots? I got one right now. You can all see everything that I can't. You can see all that's happening behind me. You know, maybe there's an axe murder, but based on your looks on your faces, there's not. So I'm safe. But if there was, you would see it first. And I remember, you know, as a truck driver, this blind spot thing would get not me in too much trouble, but others who drove in them all the time. You know, as I'd pull over, like, whoa, there was a car there. Like, some of you think I'm a bad driver with a car. Just picture me in a transport truck. It was uh, some crazy, crazy things. But that's one of the most dangerous places. And, you know, in our lives, in our relationships, 
Close relationships can and should be able to tell you about your blind spots. Your close relationships should be able to see them and be able to tell you, and they're blind spots to us because we don't see them, but we need to be aware of them. Our greatest fault sometimes is that we're not aware of our faults, and we don't allow people to, to see that. Why? Because we're, we're trying to keep up this facade of, I got it all together. Some of the blind spots we sometimes need to be made aware of is our selfish side. That blind spot of being selfish, and we never like to hear that. Never like to hear somebody say, ah, you know, you're kind of being selfish. But we need to deal with that. And how do you deal with selfishness? You die to it. You see, you know what, I refuse to be selfish. I'm going to think about someone else. Ego. Sometimes our ego, this is a hard one for me sometimes. This idea of things being all about you. And even as I was speaking last night, it was like, I could just hear Holy Spirit just putting it back in my heart again. I'm actually doing that again. Whoops. Uh, this idea where every conversation turns to something about you. You know, you're talking with somebody and they're like, yeah, we went camping. Yeah, well, we once went on a cruise and on a vacation. And, it's, and then, you know, yeah, I kind of, I, I broke my leg. Oh, one time I broke my leg and this is how it happened. And every conversation just goes back to that person. They're the kind of people that at funerals, they cry more than the people who actually knew the person. It's all about them, you know? It's things like that that sometimes we need to know. Sometimes people that are never wrong, they just can't be wrong. Sometimes our ego, it's a blind spot in us. Self-awareness sometimes, and we don't actually realize how we come across to others. It's helpful to have somebody in your life who says, you know, the way that you communicate and the things that you're saying, this is how it's being perceived. Um, my wife, she's amazing for this. We'll have company come over, and sometimes it's you, and she'll sit me down, and she'll be like, literally, sit me down and say, okay, Mark, with this family, these are some of the things that have happened. Here's some of the conversations we've had. Here's what you did last time. Please don't do that again. And I'll be like, note to self, right? Because I have foot and mouth disease like crazy. Uh, I will say things, and then afterwards, I'm like, oh, darn, I'm never going to say that again, and then I'll say that again. And so she, she's like, listen, this is a blind spot. It's so helpful. Some of, you know, some of us, our relationship has been saved because of my wife. It's amazing. Um, uh, some, for some, it's too easily offended that, you know, you misjudge people's other, uh, misjudging them by their intentions, and you're offended, and somebody will come and say, listen, uh, I think you got this a little bit wrong. You're like, oh, I don't want to hear that. But we need to. Sometimes our anger, it's unnecessary. It's over the limit. Our negativity, we shouldn't be focused on that. Shame, worry. It's sometimes we need somebody to say, listen, you shouldn't, I don't want to say it, but it's just, it's this spot where you, I think you're, you know, in a little bit of a blind spot. Change our lives. You know, even as going through this week, sitting down and Beth and I are just sitting the one night and we're just chatting and talking about a lot of the struggles kind of going through as a church and some of the stress and some of the things that I'm just feeling like with the weight of it on myself. And, and she's like, listen, you know, you're really depressing to talk to today. I was like, oh, uh, I'm sorry. Well, well, I'll just smile and tell you all my problems. And she, but she, as she reminded me, she's like, do you remember, have you thought about some of the good stuff that's happening? Have you focused on some of these things? And as we began to think about that, it's just, it, it's incredible how it can change everything. And we need those people in our lives. It's not all the bad stuff either. Some of you, you're blind to your strengths. You're so busy trying to fix the broken part of you that you're not focused on the strengths. And if you can find and focus on what you're good at and the strengths in your life, you'll enjoy life a lot more. So for some, it's some of those kind of things. So my, uh, my, I guess my last thought is this. Don't let a bruise kill you. When you got friends who are friendly, genuinely your friend, love you enough to say something in your life, they're stepping out on a limb when they say, brother, I got to talk to you about the way you're treating your wife. I know that I'm putting myself in a spot where you may never talk to me again, but I need to say it. They've put themselves out there, not because they hate you, not because they're judging you, because they love you. 
If you've got friends like that, keep them close because they're the real ones. They're the ones who care enough to say it. But you know what? Too many times we let bruises kill us. People walk away from their friendships. They walk away from their marriages. And they walk away from churches for that very reason. That somebody had the the guts to say in love, I want to tell you something. They're like, I'm offended. I'm out of here. Don't let a bruise kill you. Those friends are worth having. Proverbs 27 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Those are the ones that can be trusted. So I want to encourage you, become, take some steps to becoming authentic and refuse to be anything but genuine. And the last one, we talked a lot about it last week, so I don't want to really spend too much time on t- this morning. This idea of having self-giving love. Right with God is this idea of significance. Right with yourself is this idea of being authentic. And right with others is this idea of having love that's, that's giving out of your life. Many people are so busy looking for love, to feel love, to be loved, that they forget that we're also designed to give love to other people. And most of what we call love, it's selfish in its nature. It's like take, take, take. It's this idea of, of um, wanting something. We love things that make us feel good. We, we love things that make us feel happy, like grandparents, right? Because they don't give us any rules. They just give us stuff. You know, we love, we love money because we can buy the stuff that makes us happy. We love ice cream because it just makes us feel good when we eat it. And above all, we love grandparents with money who buy us ice cream. And, uh, you know, we love those kind of things. And, 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 and uh, oftentimes we don't realize is that none of that really is love. Uh, we talked a lot about this Oh, last week is love has very little to do with feelings. We think love's an emotion, but it's actually an action. And so God's commanded us, and Jesus commanded us to love on purpose, to love with action, to give out love. Yes, we're supposed to receive love. Yes, it's supposed to happen in our lives. It's one of those things that's significant, like, but if we fail and forget to give out love, it's going to strain relationships in a big way. The thing about this one is, until you got the other two legs kind of figured out, until you have really discovered significance that God really loves you and you don't need it from anybody else, and that you've been authentic and realized, you know what, I'm so loved, I can just be me and it's okay and I can share life with somebody else, it's a little difficult to do this third one because we're empty and seeking for something. But I want to encourage you with the thought that you actually will find more joy in doing something for someone else than in seeking that love and that feeling for yourself. Jesus lived that kind of life. He's motivated with compassion for people. He went about doing good and healing all it says. He was a giver of love. And we talked about love last week in that he was a giver of patience. He was a giver of kindness. He was a giver of putting others first. He was a giver of that. And the other powerful part about it, it's why everybody wanted to be around Jesus. Why did his relationships work? They wanted to be around him because he exhibited that kind of love. But he also exhibited the same kind of love, the same level of love when no one wanted to be around him at the cross. That didn't change. And I want to encourage you with thinking about that thought of just about you and answering this question, what have I done for someone else today? What have I done for someone else today? Just think about that for a second. Can you answer that question yet? It's 11 o'clock. You've had three hours of being awake. Or two and a half. For those who arrived late. What have, you, what have you done for someone else today? It's healthy to ask yourself this every, every single day. Marriages end over these kind of things. Marriages end and I hear people saying, I just got to do something for me. You know, I've done something for everybody else. I've just given, given, given. It's time to take care of me. I just need time for me. That leg is in trouble. And I want to encourage you that our relationships struggle when any one of those three legs is not right. 
So as you look at yourself today, and I ask you the question, once we bring it back to our relationships, are you struggling in relationships still? Are there things and areas that, that, uh, that you just feel like, I've tried some of this stuff, but I don't, I'm not sure I'm there? My question for you this morning is, how are your legs? How are your three legs? Last thought is this. Forget everything else. Wake up. Here's the good part right here. Significance comes from knowing, knowing who you are in God's eyes. That's all it is. Significance comes from knowing who you are in God's eyes. Authenticity comes from being who God created you to be and no one else. And self-giving love comes from choosing to love when you don't feel like love. Those three things directly affect all of the relationships in your life, no matter what they are. They, these three things can make you the strongest link in your relationship, that when the other ones are breaking, you're the one holding it together until they get some of that stuff figured out and, and potentially re, re-link and re-strengthen and rebuild and rebond. It doesn't guarantee anything. I know you wish that I could just say, just do these three things and all your relationship woes will be solved. The problem is there is another person in that relationship every single time. But I want to encourage you with this thought by working on or addressing or owning these three things, being aware of these three things, you create the opportunity for every one of your relationships to become better because you became a stronger link in that chain. I just want to leave you with those thoughts. If any one of those three things are like, yeah, that's me, I'd encourage you to dig a little deeper and find out because he wants to do something in there to cause relationships to be, to work and to be what he designed them to be for you. They bring joy, bring joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word that you've, uh, it's alive and just, it, it grabs us in the inside. We hear something deep down inside and know. Thank you for the power of that, uh, uh, of the word and that's a seed that grows. So this morning I just pray protection over what you've spoken to people's lives and into their hearts that it would have the time and chance to grow and to, uh, to bring, bring about the change and the fruit that you desire. Jesus, help us today just to keep our eyes on you, to stay connected to you, that uh, whatever uh, we need will just come out of that as well. Thank you for that. It's in your name, for your glory we pray. Amen.